most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at gambling.com, of course. Uh, this season, the National Hunt season, 23-24. I never thought I'd say that out loud. I didn't think I'd make it this far, but I did. Uh, Dermot Nolan is here. Dermot, how are you? All good, Dino. All good, buddy. How are you? Very good. Still um, counting the Sasaiko winnings from last weekend. Still counting the, the uh, Sasaiko. Dave McGurn, who used to be on this podcast, always said, if you fancy horse and it drifts, just keep backing. And it was the first time I actually did that. And then I remember he got out to 30 trees and I went, ah, this is this is stupid. Something and was obviously he lost a leg wrong. or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he was back into 12s. Yeah, it was brilliant. Really good. I'm glad you finally joined me on this as high coach trainer. The one day that came good. Um, that was that was a very sensible move by you. Uh, we're obviously teaching each other good things. Uh, fair play, well done. Uh, it was it was a good, it was a good pop we landed there. Nice one. Uh, this week on the race hour, of course, we're going to do uh, a couple of anti post races. We're going to take a quick look at the Paddy Power Gold Cup and the Coral Gold Cup. I'm delighted to say joining us this week. We've got two returning guests. Uh, Gary Connolly is here. Gary, you well? All good. All good. Good to be back for the uh, start of the jump season. Uh, just on that psycho. One of the perils of IPTV, I only saw the race coming up, um, tried to log in to back it, and of course, the five-minute delay killed me there. So, uh, congrats on the winner, but I was sore. Course news as well at the same time. So, uh, good good, good picking, lads. Hey, you might have been cursing me even more, and I don't know, because before, you know, people don't know. Me, myself and Gary are in the same office here, at gambling.com towers, of course. And uh, I told him there was five absolute good things at the weekend. All of them discussed on the podcast last week. And uh, I think maybe Sasaika wasn't even in that fight. Um, so, <laughs> no. yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, all right, we'll move on. Our other guest, of course, this week is the returning Darren Hughes. Darren, good to have you back on the race out. Yeah, geez, thanks for inviting me back, lads. I wasn't sure I'd ever be left back in this podcast, but uh, here we go. Delighted to be here and uh, look forward to the the year. Yeah, top man, top man. Well, two two good judges back to uh, compliment two poor judges in myself and Dermot Nolan. And uh, as I promised you, we're going to start this week's podcast. And we're obviously going to look at Wincanton, Danborough and Aintree for the weekend. That'll be in the second half of the pod. Uh, but firstly, we're going to have a crack at a couple of anti-post races that aren't Cheltenham. I can hear the screams, actually, from the audience going, what? Not Cheltenham. I mean, it's surely that's all anyone is talking about. There are a few good races on the way into the Cheltenham Festival um, that will obviously shape some things that will happen there. Uh, Paddy Power Gold Cup is first up for discussion. People might remember we did briefly discuss this on a couple of the opening pods uh, because we were looking for some horses to keep an eye on uh, for the season ahead. I threw up Unexpected Party as one I liked in the Paddy Power. Uh, I can see now that it's obviously going to beat Napper's Hill, which was a good start. Napper's Hill going this weekend as well. And uh, is is vying for favouritism. Uh, Dan Skelton's got a good thing here, Dermot Nolan. He's got a good thing. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think when you could look back on the Turner's form from last season, Stage Star was so good. Um, the horse I was looking up to this all week was kind of not long till May. And then I just watched back that Turner's last night again and God, Stage Star comfortably was holding him now over the last. Like I know... Mighty Potter bombed out, probably just doesn't like Chetland, which would mean that that race probably wasn't the greatest in the world. But Star won that in the shape of a horse who could be running into a place in something like a Ryanair. So when you're looking at him here, I'm not recommending an anti-post betting him, obviously, at those odds. I'd imagine he'd be similar enough on the day, although you could see him going off some something like 7-2. to two. I really struggle to see Star beaten, even if he will be top weight here. I just really struggle to see it. Other horses like Angel's Brett, quite... It could be very interesting to be worried about the bounce factor potentially with him. Uh, 
the aforementioned not long till May ran a huge race as well he's a decent price but he's only getting three pounds now from stage star they ran off levels that day that's not enough unexpected party bombed out that day uh, he was kind of held up around never never landed a glove on them um, I don't think it's this long a plan in place if it is fair play to the skeletons but I think they were there to to uh, to run a race that day so once again I love trying to find outsiders in fields like this Dean I just struggle to see past stage star winning that race Fair enough. And I mean, that that is the obvious race to look at. The two of them set at the top of the market. I mean, at the minute, it's six to one stage star. You can see a little bit of nines and ten to one around Unexpected Party. Uh, the real whacker and unlikely runner, I think, is around the same price. And you've got Fugitive, not long till May. Rodoto, obviously a big favourite in these races. Um, that's all right, Gino. Sixteens to one bars, a few of them. You mentioned Angel's Breath. I think that has to be in the in the in the consideration because that one had to try and get two stone to a, to a local horse. I think it was a Keeley horse who beat it. Um, the other day and I thought that was a big run from Angel's Breath but unexpected party they taught it to lose last year didn't know what it was doing at Cheltenham and now they've taught it to win Darren Hughes they taught it to win yeah like I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you here I, I didn't know you were going to say any of that but uh, he's the horse I have for my Paddy Power Gold Cup uh, pick uh, it is tricky to pick one for that race at this stage but he's a horse I've got so much time for like how he got beaten in two of his third starts uh, the season before last, I've absolutely no no idea. Uh, I think this could be his breakout year. I think they've always taught an awful lot of him. Uh, he obviously beat Napa Hill in his return, as you said. Uh, he's twice the price of stage star going for the the Paddy Power Gold Cup. He's got a nine pound swing with him from two defeats last year, and I think a race like Paddy Power Gold Cup will suit his style of running an awful lot more than an open graded chase or even a novice uh, graded chase where. You know, State Star was good, jumped well, got very much his own way. That's highly unlikely to happen in a Paddy Power Gold Cup and at the pseudo horse, like unexpected party, that little bit better. So uh, I think goes here with a great chance. I can't believe his choice to price the favourite. Yeah, don't think that's going to last, Darren. I don't think that's going to last. I'm going to tell you, Dean Ryan Disciples, who were listening to this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and that's at least three people I'm related to, are already on. So this is this is good news. Uh, Darren Hughes weighing in on the unexpected party. It will be a very expected party if it wins if Gary joins this party. Unfortunately, I will be late to this party or not show up at all. Um, I've put some money down on this actually uh, during the week. That's all right, Gino, uh, for last year's winning trainer, Jamie Snowden. He's following the same path as last year's winner, uh, Galaw, GA Law, whatever we call it. Uh, galore, galore, I was told, and it made so much sense, but it just <laughs> it just ruined my head because I've been calling it GAA Law, but yeah, Galaw. Yeah, he's one of them. Now, we ran in the old round chase um, at Aintree earlier on in the month. A uh, bit of a farce with the six pence taken out, but uh, that should leave him cherry ripe for this and be trained in a minute by uh, by Jamie Snowden. Um, uh, the, the big form chance I give him, he ran in the trials day against the, the five states there. He was receiving just four pounds and he put it right up to him. Um, I think, yeah, I said he'd be trained in a minute for this and 16 to 1 just looks too big. Uh, come the day of the race, I wouldn't be surprised if that's at least half the price. Um, so I've weighed in, and uh, yeah, I'd be disappointed that he's not in the shake. Nice, nice, nice. Took around 16 to 1 there as Gary already. Okay, a couple of votes for Unexpected Party. Derma can't see Sam stage start uh, getting turned over, although the price is skinny. It could be skinnier, Dermo. I mean, maybe me and you will both come round to Angel's Breath the week of the, the week of the podcast for that race. Yeah, you could see stage start going off seven to two, but look, the more money that comes for expected uh, party now, the happier I'll be. Uh, so yeah, please God, it keeps coming. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, now the Coral Gold Cup, the old Hennessy, of course, and the, the race that changes its name every year. Um, 
is and now seems to be settled as the Coral Gold Cup. Uh, the market for this has been really interesting. Um, Dermot, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, Stephen Cass was telling us all about Marla Mission. It's almost favourite now since that discussion that we had on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, this is all off the back of what was a very promising run at Carlisle over a trip that just would have been too short. It was really the ideal prep. You know, he didn't affect his mark too much. He, he, the whole thing was just absolutely ideal. Um, John McConnell has always taught the absolute world of this horse. I took the 14s. We were talking about this in our WhatsApp group during the week and took took the 14s then because just the more you look at the race, like Moon Big Genius obviously has that brilliant piece of form in there um, with with uh, Corach Rambler and the name evades me, the Martin Brazel horse that Fast won. Fast or slow. Fast or slow, sorry, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was almost as good as a gold cup, that yeah, race, ser- allegedly. Serious piece of form. So, like, that's completely understandable. But Maller Mission comes in here representing very, very decent form as well. I mean, even that run behind Ch- uh, Churchstone Warrior, like, he really showed his his heart. I watched back the Three Mile Sixer last night um, and a, a lot of people say that Gayard Aminil would have won anyway. I don't, I don't know. Like I know he, the, the jockey made a definite error, kicked on when he really shouldn't have, but he didn't look to me like a horse that was legless jumping that fence. He, he, he caught it and fell. Um, that's a serious piece of form because Gayard Demenil the previous season was third in the Brown advisory. So even if he'd got a poor ride and finished place that day, that's still serious form. He's a horse that, as Stephen Cass has said, he's a horse that his, his running style suits the race. His um, his price is shorter now, but there's still a bit of tens around. Um, and just the field isn't that strong. So as you break it down, I simply I just couldn't agree with Stephen Cass more. The the track, the trip, the horse, everything else just really does look here, Dean. Like Maller Mission at ten to one does look a crack and bet because this race used to be gone long gone are the days that likes of a Bob's work. Tri- turning up to a race like this, you know, where you could potentially have a Gold Cup contender. You're looking at the tier below that. And in my eyes, Maller Mission is definitely in that tier. He's a horse that, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see him running on for a place someday in a, you know, an old Lexus or something like that. You know, he's he's definitely is that quality. So it's not often I agree with Stephen Cass, but yeah, no, I definitely agree with him here anyway. Yeah, Dermo weighing in with the original shout from uh, Mr. Cass and the market is speaking in its favour. A bit of tens around, but generally an eight to one shot. And that joins at the top of the market with likes of Mombek Genius, who had a rather disappointing comeback run. Uh, Complete Unknown has been a bit of money around for that. It's around tens. Midnight River, the same price. A real whacker also in here, just in one market. So I can't see that one turning up. You've got Stumptown, Our Power, Remastered, Stolen Silver, Zanza, who only wins at one course. It happens to be where this race is at. Uh, Kitties like Galia Delito. There's a few old boys in here that I thought were interesting. Chantry House, Sean Blue, even Royal Pukai's got an entry. Uh, Gary, did you make any sense of the Coral? Yeah, it's a, it's a disappointing enough race now, I thought, um, from what it's glory days. We had some classy horses running in it. It doesn't seem to be a case this year. Um, one I'd probably come down with is complete unknown for Paul Nichols. Um, just like his profile for the race. Like He was no match for Jerry Kalama entry last season, uh, but he had a wind up since. And he he won a decent uh, intermediate chase at Newton Abbott. Nichols targets that race with a couple of his decent ones. Brave Man's Game picked already. Um, have won that race in the past. And then we beat My Eye. I rate that My Eye. If he got jumping, he'd be a, a fair tool. And when he beat him, he should improve massively for the, the run. And I think there's plenty of improvement in him over these staying trips. 10 to 1 is probably... It, it, 
just about a bet now at the at this stage. Uh, there's been money for him this week, but uh, he'd be a selection in a poor enough race, I think. Um, like Mala Mission, yeah, definitely. I agree with Dermot now. He has a chance in this, but he would have got it up and spat out up the hill at Cheltenham by the, the Gala de Malil and Chemical Energy. He was, he would have been gasping for air over the, over the last, I, I think he would have been doing well to get toured if he did stand up. But, um, and another improving horse, I think it's between those two, just the potentials there. And as you said, there's a lot of old timers in it that um, they've had that day and we, we will go with the up and coming fresher legs. Fair enough. Fair enough. Complete unknown then for Gary. And I kind of agree with you on the Marlon Mission thing. I, th- I think this, the juice has sucked out the price now anyway. If anyone got on the decent double figures, uh, you're sure to get a run for your money. Looks like all systems go. Um, I mentioned a few of the older boys there. Darren, you got anything insightful here to, to throw into the mix? It is, it's, a, it's a few weeks away. Yeah, I, I genuinely did indeed. To be honest, I mean, this is the Paddy Power Gold Cup. Um, obviously, unaccepted party for that for me is just a horse. I've got so much time for, and I can see myself following him for the next six to eight months. Uh, whereas this, at this stage, I, I couldn't see anything in it where I thought that's definitely going to be a shorter price in the day. Uh, so therefore, I, I, I've no, I've no uh, initiative to get involved at this stage. And um, with a lot of these handicaps, unless you think you've really spotted one that the bookies have missed, you're probably better off sitting out until the day because you, you might only lose out in half a point in terms of the price it goes off or the price that's available, but you're picking up maybe two, three, sometimes even four extra places on the day. So uh, for me, there was nothing that stood out to me at the moment, as, as the lads rightly alluded to, lost a little bit of its class this race down through the years. So um, I'm quite content to sit and wait until the week off or even the morning of the race at this point. Stage advice, stage advice. I did want to throw in uh, Beauport back into the mix. I, I, I thought we'd win at the weekend and I don't think anything went right for it. Um, I'm sure I told Gary it was a good thing and it didn't turn out to be a good thing. But I think the money's just on low. Uh, it's number 27 in the list here. I think weights wise probably needs, what will it run, 24? I think 24 might be the max there. So it needs a few to come out. Um, he'll be right at the foot of these weights. Depends on what stays in at the top. And he's still on the bridle going, I know he finished last of five that finished in the Sodexco Gold Cup, right? That's never the biggest recommendation. But he finishes fuller runner. And nothing went right for Jordan Naylor in the plate. Um, that's the gamble you take. And I think Beauport might be a big price uh, for this race, currently around 50s. So um, I'm still leaning there, although I have so much time for the likes of a Chantry House or a Chamblou or a Royal Guy. The old Madison de Burley touches of this race might tip me into, into trying to find an old stage that'll come good. Uh, in the coral and um, all right well, we went through a couple of you know big punting races there anti-post wise uh, for the few weeks ahead but we no, we didn't touch on brave man's game from the weekend it was a, it was a comeback that split opinion did brave man's game run well run out of gas hit the fence because he was tired or did he get beat by a really good horse of course the owners of gentleman's game have another one it's going to run this weekend jerry Colon. Um so they'll be pretty pleased uh, darren what did you think yeah, I'm reluctant to get too excited about that gentleman's game. Uh, it's hard to know what would have happened. Like if Harry Cobden kicked on a bit uh, earlier, he seemed to be travelling well. Like maybe he was empty. I don't know. Every possibility he'd have been beaten further. It's it's difficult to say without obviously being on the horse's back. All I do know is gentleman's game was off it a long, long way out. And if he's under the pump that far out in a really good three mile grade one, they won't come back to him as easily as Brave Man's game did here. Um, so every chance he's still improving. It's only his third chase start, I think, is is, is what I saw. Um, but I'd say Brave Man's game would have to be very, very disappointed. Um, the excuses are minimal. Uh, granted, okay, he was given a penalty. 
but you know his quote unquote main rival bombed out a high senior uh, he still couldn't get the job done um, ground was soft carrying a penalty as I said still think you underperformed by a fair way and he's got a lot more to do if he's to get closer to Gallup and Deschamps at uh, Cheltenham in March hmm. Okay. I mean, Nichols did say afterwards, you know, it would have left him plenty light and they would expect him to come forward a lot and they got beat by a race fit rival. All the lovely platitudes are in there, Gary. Brave man's game. Uh, what, did, what did you think? Yeah, it would be as uh, downbeat on the run now. I thought, yeah, a couple of things. He was nowhere near fully wound up. Uh, ground was really testing. And I think he was just letting on. He was he was more tired than he, than he looked coming down to the last. I don't actually think the mistake at the last... It didn't cost him a lot of momentum, to be honest. Um, and I'd probably give Gemmell's game a lot of credit. Uh, I think he's just been downgraded. But he, he is an improving chaser. Uh, he was race fit. He got a really an excellent no-nonsense ride from Darrell O'Keefe. So I'd take plenty of positives from it. And I think it was like perfect tune-up for the King George. And he goes there for me for the one to beat still. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think they'll be they'll be pretty pleased. There was a, there was a fascinating co- quote afterwards. Um, the the owner and Mouse were interviewed at the course, and the owner said, "Did you want to know the reason why I was running here? Is because I wouldn't let Mouse take on the other one, which is this weekend." Uh, Damn it, that owner's got a nice dilemma, hasn't he? They're going to have to meet each other at some point, as long as you know that wasn't a complete fluke from Gentleman's Game. A serious, yeah, absolutely class. Dilemma, they've always, uh, this owner's always bigged up Jerry Cologne for a long time now as being his his Gold Cup horse. So it's no no bad thing to, to have a second one. I I mostly agree with Gary. Um, and then I partly agree with Darren. So the <laughs> so I can see that jumping the last fence. Uh firstly, I thought Darrell O'Keefe gave the horse a brilliant ride. I thought he held on to a little tiny bit that meant that that he was able to kind of come back. Uh, Brave Man's game went into the race last year and actually drifted in the market because Paul Nichols had told the world that this horse was was as big as a house and wasn't going to be uh, doing much. So I think Brave Man's game can definitely be forgiven. But the one issue I have now with Brave Man's game, and Dean, I'm a late a late disciple of this horse. I do love him. I think his, his jumping's outstanding and everything else. But every time he's been eyed up now, coming over the last, he, he hasn't quite got it done. You know, he either wins easy, streaming away from everyone, or he's 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 not he's kind of flattering to uh, deceive a bit. I mean, the best horses get the job done no matter what kind of happens. And I understand he bumped into a brilliant Bob Ollinger, bumped into uh, Galloping Deschamps, who's obviously just outstanding. But still, there's a there's a little bit of me now looking at Brave Man's game, going like, what does he actually find? I I still don't think we know really. Um, and that's why. If the King George was running tomorrow and we knew Shishkin was in good form, I'd probably back Shishkin against him. Um, and so it's 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 opened up for me the King George. He's still the one to beat, as Gary said, but the, the excuse of not being fit, whilst it is valid and fair, he was still there to win the race. He was still jumping the last. And I just think he got out battle and that's not the first time this has happened to him. Um, I hope he comes back. The Gold Cup division is a much better horse. Uh, division for having a horse like him but yeah I would I'd have a few question marks now about him Fair enough and you know that's what that's what going for an early target get beat does throws those question marks in you just like woken me up to a massive dilemma I'm going to have in that King George if Shishkin and Brave Man's game goes I don't know if I can split my body in half like I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to manage that um, <laughs> to work something out <laughs> I do look forward to it though as we do and that was you know that was the real talking point of the weekend I do 
think if Brayman's game hadn't hit the last, probably wins. But these touch of the John Bonds about them. these English big guns. When a big Irish horse turns up, they just mm, wilt. Um, yeah, and it wasn't even the A team. All right, why don't we move on to uh, to the uh, weekend's action coming up from Wincanton Dam Royal and Aintree. Uh, there is a belter of a race. I don't know if anyone spotted it at Dam Royal. I think it's tomorrow with Irish Point and Magical Zoe in it. Dam, I was going to ask you about Magical Zoe. You're quite keen on this horse for the season anyway. But um, that's a tough starting point, isn't it, in that grade three? Yeah, Magical Zoe's race fit as well. So it uh, should be all right. That horse has kind of had a procession run this season already. Um, Jeez, it was so, so processional. I'd forgotten it happened, which is why. Yeah, it's literally so just, yeah. just jogged around. But this is Henry de Bromid's probably sticking to the same plan as last season where he'll, uh, she could well get put away now after this run Um, go straight to, to towards the mayor's hurdle. Um, I backed her. I made no secret that I've backed her for this, for, for the mayor's hurdle. Um, I think nearly getting a stone off Irish point. Yeah, Dean, she was in my anything else this weekend section. Um, two to one or so. If there was a small drift on that now and you're getting kind of, you know, nine to four, five to two tomorrow, I can't see that happening. But if it was, that would be very good. And I don't think um, Adrian Heskin will have a bigger ride in his life at the moment. He's he's, he's um, losing that association with those owners has really damaged him. Uh, he's not going to hold multiple rides. This is his big uh, horse his big race he needs everything to kind of go right and he's a jockey I've, I've always thought well of um and yeah he's just in the rebuilding part of his career and as a jockey that's a very hard face to be and we've seen it before with sam thomas kind of never came back from that stage of his career really um he done has actually um you know so like it can be done but it's very difficult when you're a jockey when all of a sudden you find yourself unfashionable that's a very hard place to come back from yeah, hundred percent. I'm sorry, I, I brought your anything else horse forward there, Dam. It wasn't intentional. Uh, oh, I, just, oh, I just didn't want to let it slip, given that we were talking about the horse uh, recently. Uh, you, you can kick us off with the 150 at Wincant if you want, Damo. And you know, we've mentioned Napa's Hill already. It's the unexpected party form that's going to war in the 150 at Wincant, which is their Rising Stars novices grade two. They're uh, going to take on a couple of good ones: Captain Combi, Doyen Star, uh, Givegas in there, a couple of outsiders as well, and Lady Adair, and opening bid. But Napa's Hill is going to be odds on, and this will be. A procession damn uh, yeah I don't know how good Napper's Hill is his form is based on winning English hurdles where he's beaten the likes of Goshen yeah but you know <laughs> Goshen had the, had that big day unfortunately at Cheltenham where it just it, it just tipped up for him but the it's hard to know how good Goshen is or Goshen obviously a uh, wrong horse though it's hard to know how good Napper's Hill is Captain Combi's a horse that I do rate. He got stuffed by Sharjah, but there's no shame in that. Sharjah's a proper 160-rated hurdler um, who has taken defences quite well. So there's absolutely no shame in that at all. The same the same fate would have uh, would have befallen uh, Napper's Hill there. But he flatters to deceive and a finish. I was... I, I love the Evan Williams horse, but what a mad debut to have over fences. Um absolutely mental so it's a race that I ended up just kind of putting the line through and saying that I will watch this race I was looking to take on Napper's Hill but I just don't know where to turn with it Um, I would lay him but again it's just the feel's not all that strong so yeah it's a race that I'm happy to kind of shirk her in Fair enough. I've got two brave market judges on this podcast, of course, in Darren and Gary. When you when you go eight to thirteen Napa's Hill, and you go four to one the field, and you're talking about Captain Combi, uh, Doyen Star around seven to one, Givega eight to one. Is there value there, Darren? Yeah, late the fast. I'm going to go one step further than Dermot. Uh, I was trying go. to get, I was, was really trying to get him beat. 
Uh, couldn't pick one out. I would have loved if JPR one had wrapped up here. Uh, would have been a very interesting chase debutante if, if he had done so. Uh, but uh, maybe not chase debutante. I can't remember if he's had one spin. But I think Napa's Hill is windy enough. Um, I don't really like horses who spend that extra year hurdling. Uh, I know that he's not the only one here that's done that. But I think eight thirteen. It's uh part of the reason I'm happy to take him on. I just. There's, there's something in him I I don't like and I've never liked and, and certainly at, at those odds or at, the, at that price I'm content to take him on. Captain Combi is kind of a wily old animal. He's he's been there and done it. Um, his his running style might be perfectly suited to this exact test. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call him a no hoper. Uh, on balance I just think four to one the field eight to thirteen the fab. I'd sooner have the field running for me at thirteen to eight than the favourite at eight or you know eight to thirteen or to be honest I'd lay him at any price up to about five to six eight to eleven. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's the way this race is going to shape up for most people. Do you like nappers or do you not like nappers, Gary? I like nappers. Don't like the price. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's too short a price to be taken. I think he's the most likely winner of the race, but yeah, I'd have no interest in backing him at those odds. Probably be more spit out and watch. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing to lay him. Uh, I'd probably lay him at the prices, but it's a watch and brief for me. Likeliest winner, but price is just not appealing at all. Now, there is a way, Gary, there is a way you can get nappers on site. There is. You just got to look at Paul Nichols' book across this Wincanton card. like. And if you, <laughs> if you row in on, on the Saturday Nichols train, uh, he's got plenty. We're going to talk about a few of those on here. Um, if you had to take him on, what would you take him on with, Gary? Uh, probably Diane Starr. Um, I was impressed with his, with his hurdle form last year. He looks looks a horse, uh, packed with potential. Um, seven to one, more than fair, I think. But he has it to do to beat Napa's Hill on, on form. But so, yeah, watch him brief, but Diane's there. If you had to, maybe you'll give me a free tenner or something to throw on. Okay. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Interesting, informative, <clears throat> excuse me, first race uh, for us to look at from Wing Canton's 150. We're going we're gonna to jump across the pond and go to Down Royal for their 220. We're going in time order this weekend. Um, there's a big bubble about to be burst here, isn't there? Gary, there is. There's a big bubble about to be burst here. Jerry Colomb's going to take on Manila Indo, Empoil, and, and Conflated. Um, he might finish fourth. <laughs> it's probably the wrong race now. If, if I was uh, Rob Carr, I would have sent Jerry to take on Brave Man's game and um, German's game here. Oh, far too brave this time of the season. Look what they've ended up against, though. It's not easy. This track's not going to seal at all. Like, is if you if you could think of a worse track to run this horse on, really, it, it would be here. It's just a speed track. He looks a big galloping type. Um, it, yeah, odds on very short. But the field he's up against, like Conflate, has gone at the game. Envoy Allen, you won't trust him to buy a pint of milk in the shop for you. Although he probably could go well defending his crown. Manelli in, though, Jesus, he's, he's getting on. Um, it was a Mickey Mouse race he won last time. Half the, the Elliott pair weren't off a yard. So probably by default he wins. But yeah, no interest in backing him. I wouldn't be surprised if he came fourth, as you said. Um, strange choice to be starting him out here. There was plenty of other options like Carl Cup. Would have been nice to see him uh, look a big weight round there. Um, and I thought you could have been well up to the job around that track, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, I wouldn't say bubble boards, wouldn't be surprised if didn't see him beat, but um, moving forward, he's he, he's got it to uh, take top top rank at the top table this season on a more suitable track, I'd say. Okay, so if he disappoints this weekend, whatever style that might be, even winning un- 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 unimpressively, uh, it won't halt your uh, vision of him for the year. 
Not at all, not at all. Like, um, yeah, it'd be seeing around Leopardstown, around Shetland, these big galloping tracks that suit him a lot more. So, yeah, just he has four legs and a tail and he gets around in one piece. That's all he wants from him. <laughs> Is that all he needs to win this weekend, Darren? Four legs and a tail to beat these three? Yeah, I think he's the Gold Cup winner, waiting, to be honest what? with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love this horse. Uh, I, I, he should still have a string of ones left next to his name. There shouldn't be a two in there at all. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, uh, in hindsight, he was probably not made enough use of. Uh, Chad, no, I think that, that's a very fair comment. Uh, and I think, you know, as much as Gary is correct, this isn't the ideal track to run a man. I think if uh, if Jack Kennedy, if Jack Kennedy, excuse me, is able to make enough use of him, there's no reason he can't go and win. All of these are on the downgrade. I'm convinced of it. Um, you know, conflated is absolutely and completely gone, as Gary said. But uh, whatever about Envo Allen, I think he still has he still has a performance in him. Uh, predicting him, you know, also trying to pick the bonus ball in the lottery this weekend. Uh, it's very difficult to do. Um, Nell Indo is admirable. Uh, I like the win, his win in Punchtown, and ironically enough, that's the race that uh. John Cossack actually won on his way to winning this race in 2015. Um, but I I just think Jerry Kalam, the younger legs, seven years of age, and in my opinion, he's probably still improving, which is a, a scary concept. So uh, as much as he is even money or even a little bit shorter in places, um, I, I find it very difficult to see passing this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Fair enough. I'm looking forward to this race um, for, for all of those same reasons. You mentioned Don Cossack there. I mean, Dermot Nolan is still using the same betting bank he generated from Don Cossack uh, winning a Gold Cup. Is is this the, the second coming of the big Don? Yeah, I was very windy on this podcast a few weeks ago when you asked me this question. I, I kind of fobbed it off. I didn't quite go there. But yeah, Dean, I, I just went through, again, I got a few hours last night, went through a few different bits and bobs and I'm back on the Jerry Clown wins the Gold Cup train. Um, Like, I understand the, that he's got the the look and the build when he gets going of a, of a horse laden with stamina, but he was quick enough to win over two miles four last season at Sandown, um, jumping around really well on quick ground. That's not a slow horse. Um, I think that the course is, isn't his 100% going to suit him, but I think it definitely will. He'd be, like, he'd be fine. Um, he's on a trial for the Gold Cup, conflated's on his trial towards the, uh, the cross-country. And then you've got, you know, um, Envoy Allen's there. Very hard to know, as Gary said, where where he is. Nalindo absolutely adored his horse, but, you know, he's over the hill. Um, I think rather than a bubble being burst, I think a bubble gets properly created here. And I think for, for the rest of the winter, we talk about um, him taking on Galloping Deschamps and everything else. We need to see that horse come out. But Jerry Clom, for me, has done everything right. Um, and... That performance last year, I actually think the old course just just didn't suit him. I think the new course and, you know, uh, Don Cossack was beaten in kind of similar circumstances that Ryanair before he went on to win a Gold Cup. Gordon Elliott hasn't been overly shy about this horse being a Gold Cup horse either. It's, it's all very similar. Um, and it's a big race, massive, massive starting point. And uh, yeah, I, I've been in love with this horse since that down Royal hurdle win. Um, and I'd be absolutely shell-shocked beyond belief if we aren't talking next week about a future Gold Cup uh, horse here, did. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, it is, after Brave Man's game of the weekend, like that's gone out towards 16-1 to 1 for the Gold Cup, which I thought was a big overreaction considering, you know, if they if they were all to get there and Gallop and Deschamps didn't get there, God, it'd probably be favourite. But the one horse in the way is Jared Colomb, 13-2, to 2. Shiskin is there at 14-1. I mean, who knows? 
Who knows? An extraterrestrial might decide that this is the season. It's hard to know. Uh, after that, there isn't much there. So 13 to 2 might be a bit of value, Dem. Are you going to start building up a few slips? Um, I, I, I've had a few quid on, but I was disappointed last season because I was kind of, after he lost to Cheltenham, like Don Cossack did, I was rather hoping he didn't do what Don Cossack didn't go on to win at Aintree because that just, you could have been looking at a very decent Gold Cup horse uh, price had he been put away after that because, you know, as punters, we're very unforgiving of a last run. Um, the amount of times that we've looked at festival markets and because a horse got beaten the previous year, they're wiped off the face of the earth. Um, so after he won an entry, I was I was actually disappointed because I thought, right, there there goes his price. So he was nine, ten to one. So I haven't really got involved. Um, I think with the the gold cup, as the day approaches, he won't be too too short in the day. So I think it'll be one of those things where I'll be waiting for the day, really. Do. Fair, fair, fair. Lots of water to go under the bridge, of course, between uh, now and then. I, yeah, I, I prefaced that race by saying a big bubble's about to burst. I'm not sure the opposition are going to make it happen, but maybe the course will do it. Something will do it. So maybe I could be right. But uh, you lads have talked me out of getting uh, in any way involved, I would say, uh, with that fascinating contest at Down Royal. That is, of course, the champion chase over three months. Uh, 2.25 at Wink Canton, just five minutes later. It's going to be hard to watch this if Jerry Colomb's still running around, to be honest, knowing how they do this on the split screens and all that. But uh, the 225's got the old boy Froden back in, 11 years old. Um, I think it's the only race that, that this horse won last year. Bryony, of course, will ride for Paul Nichols. Uh, they've also got Harry Cobden uh, dropped up for three under through five. Ashtown Lad is in there. The big breakaway is back from order season. Remarkably, only eight. Should be 14 years old, the big breakaway, I think, on the career uh, that he's had and the ups and downs. Um, that's the top of the market. It's 10 to 1 by those. Uh, Darren, I, I reckon the Nichols tip camp will be pretty upset if three under through five doesn't beat Froden. And therefore, I think it might be a big price. Yeah, that's that's how, that's exactly how I viewed it, Dean. Uh, funnily enough, um, I'm one of Froden's bigger fans. Um, I, I absolutely love this horse. Um, and I don't think this race has as much depth in it as last year's did. Uh, so, you know, you could argue that he's actually a fair price of three to one. But equally, what you say is correct. I I I I think that they they believe that three hundred through five is a better horse than him at this stage, and I'd be disappointed myself uh, if he wasn't. He's kind of on the cusp of this sort of class of animal. Um, you know, obviously much younger legs than than Frodon as well. Cobden jacked up, and I think Nichols is trying to hold him this race. You could maybe do worse than uh, than Dutch's too, but I think uh, a straight win bet on three hundred through five is the way I'm going to play this. 100% my view there. I know I teed you up for it, but I didn't know which way you were going to go with it. It just seemed like a solid market play uh, with 300 free fives. Had the wind up. They're going to bring it up. They're going to let Froden go and set the fractions. Um, I think they'll be pretty confident, Gary, that 300 free fives is going to step forward this year and they could be mining this. Yeah, like probably the one more nauseating thing from ITV for a Frankie Wankfest would be a Brady Frost Wankfest <laughs> if Froden was to win here. Um, <laughs> But I don't think I don't think they, they they'll get the job done. Yeah, Alex three hundred through five. Four and four gone this way round. Yeah, aims for a nickel horse has a wind up. Um, don't see that usually, but yeah, you'd, you'd imagine that could bring some improvement. Uh, off the same mark as a, a decent enough run in the Scottish National when last seen him. I think he'll um, he'll save us the 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 ITV swooning and um, he'll win it for nickels, but not with the one day want. So yeah, strong bet three hundred through five for me. Yeah, I prefer the swooning reference than the, than the previous <laughs> reference, Gary. But you, you made your point so eloquently. Um, yeah, I, I'm on board with this. I mean, look, they're throwing everything at it. Tongue tire on the pieces are on the wind up has been done. 
off a mark of 147. It's the Badger beer. It's normally a Paul Nichols uh, benefit. He's won it with plenty of different horses over the over the time. And uh, and Froden's in here for a nice swan song. Um, Dermo, are you joining the train here? I mean, the only one I'm worried about is the big breakaway. I'm not worried about anything else in the field. And probably the big breakaway might just struggle here against three under through five. So that's my view. No, I, I'm, I find it just hilarious. Last week was the first time I ever Baxter Psycho with you. And this week I was convinced we'd be sharing the big breakaway. Uh, I love the break. It, it, I love him for this. First of all, the Tizard Yards in far better form this season than they were last year. Um, this is a horse good enough to have a troubled Monkfish, who I know isn't quite what he was. But, you know, back then, Monkfish really was a very, very good horse. Him and Fiddler on the Roof were in a huge race that day. Um he obviously ended up uh, well beaten in the end, but still that season there was, you know, there were seconds behind the likes of uh, Shan Blue. He's been all over the place since, but he shaped a good few times like there was a very big one in him. Um, and again, last season went wrong, but the Tizards were really in and out last season and you can see they've really hit the ground running. The, breakaway, the big breakaway is a horse who this track will suit, the ground will suit, the running tactics with Frodon going off like the Clappers will suit. And, um, you know, all I'm hoping is that there's a, a Joe Tizard slash uh, Brendan Powell wankfest afterwards, Dean, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do the forecast 100% because I think it's the only horse that could, uh, could you know, outrun and give 300 through five a race. If 300 through five, I can't even say the horse's name. If that horse wasn't in here. Um, I'd be all over the big breakaway demo. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll, we'll join together in a reverse forecast swoon fest. Uh, and yeah, I refrain from <laughs> Excellent. Good race. I, I think there's a bit of a charge in 3035, but the danger is the big breakaway for sure. And won't it be great to see Froden come in celebrating into the winners' enclosure with Bryony Frost? I'm sure Gary will have that on record. Okay, let's go to the 245 at Aintree. Um, it's a cracking weekend's race in this. Of course, you've got the Sefton. And uh, Jess Keel is at the top of the market and been well supported during the week. I guess as the runner started filtering down, he's an obvious player. Uh, around 100 to 30. Fantastic ladies in there for Nicky Henderson at 92. 13 to 2 Coopers Crossborn by the Sears there for Paul John Gilligan. Uh, half shot Nassalam. Uh, plenty of uh, fans of that horse. Doesn't win too often. It's often time between drinks, but that one seems to be fancied. Uh, Ferrero Bamboo Percussion. It was a bit of a shock over these fences. Ran, ran, ran well over them when tried them uh, last year. And it's like 14 to 1. But Dermot, you go first. Uh, yeah, Dean, really like Born by the Sea here. Um, the, the Paul Gilligan stable, first of all, that's a yard that's in cracking uh, cracking form. Tiny yard, very few horses. Two winners in a second now from the last three runs. One of them was a major enough handicap hurdle. Um, this horse has represented this yard excellently over the years, including over hurdles and fences. Has run huge races at Galway. Uh one St. Stephen's Day, which is Boxing Day to all you Brits out there, uh, was um, ran a huge race at huge odds, uh, finished second on bottomless ground. Last year, finished eighth in the Grand National, shaped so well over the fences, jumped him with a plum and just didn't quite get home. So this trip's going to suit him very well. He jumps the fences excellently. The yard's in good form. Uh I know Jez Kill, the favourite, is uh, well entitled to go very well because last year he was second off only a pound lower. Uh, he was second here twice, actually, wasn't he? So you're looking there at a horse, obviously, who deserves to be favoured, but, but Born by the Sea has form over these fences as well. I do like a horse that shapes well over Grand National and then comes back to a trip like this, like the, you know, the following year's uh, Topham or something like that. But the ground here will suit him crucially. We've watched this horse 
in the past run massive races on heavy ground. Uh, he's got the right jockey f- for a waiting ride. Yeah, Dean, I really, really like him and I think he's a very big price. Fair enough. Uh, big shout for Born by the Sea for Paul Gilligan and uh, Philip M. Wright. And he's been money. Well, uh, the market's just been shorting them all up. I don't want to, you know, m- mislay people. With all that, the right faces. All the right faces. All the right faces. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, took, I took the 14s on the sports book last week, that kind of stuff. I didn't do that. Um, but Born by the Sea, yeah, uh, around seven, eight to one. Um, interesting. Okay, we'll go to Darren. Darren, what do you make of this race? Uh, always one of the great ones to watch. Early pointers for, you know, it's coming. Yeah, I have a similarly strong fancy to, to Dermot, but a, a different horse. Um, I will start just first of all on the favourite. Uh, the trainer said in a stable tour on Tuesday, Gaskill needs a little bit of time between his races. When a trainer says something like that, I, I tend to think that's longer than six to eight weeks, which is since he which is the amount of time since he's last run uh, in France. So I, I, I think if you're, if you're looking to back him at 10 to 3, maybe just take that into account before, uh, before you go piling in. Um, and I just wondered if Ferro Bamboo can't get back on track here. Um, I always find Venetia Williams' horses, I, 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 I don't tend to back them until she goes on a bit of a run, which she does every year. And quietly, she has at the start of this year. She's gone four for 12 uh, in her first runners of the of the jump season proper. She's another winner today. Um, I, think, I, I do wonder if that's maybe a, a byproduct of the fact we've had quite a wet summer going into a wet, a wet autumn and winter. Um, but in any case, the ground is going to be bottomless here at the weekend. Fair Bamboo will love that. Um, and as I said, Venetia being in flying form, uh, this is when she starts to bang winners in. This is the type of jumper I can see taking to these fences very, very well. Um, you know, he, he he kind of lost his way a small bit last year, um, but remained a, a pretty solid jumper throughout. Uh, I give him an absolutely flying chance here at, at double digit odds. Uh, Charlie Judge on board. His style of running would suit this track absolutely perfectly and I think that the two and a half mile trip two mile five trip will prove to be his best in time he's got enough speed to win over two as he's done uh, several times in the past again when the ground gets pretty soft but um, this step up and trip this stage of his career looks like it might just suit so I think at double digit price about 11 10 11 to one there uh, across the board uh, I give him a really really strong chance Yep, when Venetia starts to get rocking and the rain is falling, uh, you know that there's a, there's a sensible course of action. It's just to keep getting involved. And it seems to be happening a little bit earlier this year, as you say, forever bamboo, uh, double digits, Charlie Deutsch in the plate for Venetia. Uh, okay, two strong cases made so far for two different horses. A little bit of a question mark around the fav, Gary Connolly. I'm muddy the water's a bit further. I'm going to go for a different selection. Um, I like a fantastic lady here. Uh, for Nikki Henderson and Nico. Um, I think she's best fresh. Um, that's the time to catch her from last season. She won first time out and then she was given a break and she got an excellent second at the top of um, in April. So she handles the course. Uh, I think she needs a bit of juice in the ground and I'm, I'm happy that 11 to 2 looks, looks a fair enough price. So um, yeah, she'll do it for me. Fair enough. Okay, so I mean that's that's three flagged already, and I was going to flag a fourth. So this is obviously one of the trickier races of the weekend. Um, I thought percussion was interesting enough. Ran in the Al Dancer race last year, ran behind Ashtown Lad last year. Uh, Gavin Sheehan uh, is back in plate for for the Morgans, and I just think you know it was a bit of an unknown quantity last year. I think it came in at forty two on the Al Dancer race, finishing in third, only five and a half lengths behind Ashtown Lad um, over the further trip. Uh, was more fancied that day. Gavin Sheehan kind of got going a little bit late. I think all grounds come uh, to them the same. It's one on heavy, one on decent ground. So I don't think that'll be a problem. 10 stone, 11. 
why not? I think could be an interesting runner. And I, I'm going to say the, the same old line, all the right faces, 20s into 10s, it looks like, but I can't be certain of that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be double digits too. It just shows you the quality of what we've got there, or the competitive nature of what we've got there in the Sefton. Okay, that goes to post 2.45 at Aintree. We're going to move on to the 3 o'clock at Wincanton. And I think I alluded to this before. It's going to be Paul Nichols' day at Wincanton. And he's got reward here. So this is going into the doubles, trebles, four-timers, whatever you want to do. Harry Cobden on for Paul Nichols. Up against Hansard, uh, Westbound, Boa, uh, Gloria Stoff and Sacre Corps. They are the five. Gary, would you be taking on this fact? Uh, I didn't get much of a look at this race, so I'm not going to be much use to you here. Um, so I'll leave it to the, my knowledgeable colleagues to, to run you through this one. Just say yes, Gary. That's all I needed to hear. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, Darren, I'll ask you. I, I do think West Balboa could end up uh, in the... Whereas it could be at Aintree, where he's likely to be favourite and a three-runner, which is the race that's coming up after that. So might even make it even easier for Nichols' horse. Yep, uh, you summed up my thoughts pretty much exactly there. I'd actually, I'd actually be very interested in her here um, at a big price. Uh, I think she, she's currently penciling around the ten to one mark, but as you say, highly likely she runs. I think Aintree is is far and away her uh, her preferred destination. But just with the very heavy ground there, I think uh, they've given her uh, a get-out clause. Let's call it, but. Rubod is a good bit better of a horse than Hansard, I think. And obviously having the, the run to his name this season will uh will stand to him. He's, he he won in Kempton. I think this is actually pretty straightforward. I wouldn't waste too much time on it. Uh Rubod to win and win handsomely. Yep. And to boost uh, those uh, Paul Nichols Ackers. Uh, I mean, we could have skipped these two races, Dermo, the three o'clock at Wincant, the three twenty at Aintree. I mean, for the fact they both have West Balboa in, uh Rubord is is gonna be odds on. Uh, at Wincanton and West Balboa if it turns up uh, ain't true what's on there yeah look uh, I really don't care about this race or, or the race after uh, I one. just think think they're absolute I just like there's intelligent people running horse racing right we have enough problems going on with the sport that's steady that's, on now that's a brave statement but yeah but we've enough problems on the outside of this sport without shooting ourselves in the face why are two races of such a similar nature as those two races run within 20 minutes of each other on the same Saturday. Like, it is absolute nonsense because a lot of the horses that could run in that elite hurdle could well easily go up half a mile there at Aintree. Um, it is it is absolute nonsense how this keeps happening year after year. Same thing as when the Tingle Creek and the Hilly Way are on the same weekend and there's so little two-mile chases uh, all around the place. It is, there's so many own goals that we keep scoring as a sport. I know I'm getting off topic here, but I just do not, I cannot fathom how that, that three o'clock of Wincanton and the 320 entry are on the same weekend where if God forbid something went wrong with, uh, with the favorite here, you could end up having five or six runners in that entry field. We've tiny fields, we've a dwindling audience and there's a reason why and it's because of absolutely terrible two and three runner races happening every single weekend and week because of the fact that there are too many races on in the UK. I know it's an uncomfortable conversation because ultimately cutting back the race fixture probably leads to job losses. Nobody wants that but for the sport to survive we need to start focusing on there being more of an elite level where it's harder to actually be running in these bigger races with more horses available to do it, which means less options. That's one of the reasons why Ireland is streets ahead at the moment. And until the UK finish this, we're going to end up with jokes of races like them to it every weekend. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, you know, there's been a problem with the 
with the program book for a long, long time. They tell you the cut races, but they put more on in, in the evening for the, you know, the, the pub fodder and the all weather nonsense. And yeah, not that some people like that kind of racing, but it's all about making money and just getting rights in and it doesn't work. Um, two pretty disappointing races there, as we said, as Damon Holland's put into, uh, into context uh, that there was only one other race i want to talk about this weekend of course we're sticking with the obviously the itv cards uh, it's the 332 at wing canton um lime avenue um gary i come to you first because i keep sti- sticking you with this this byline uh, lime avenue harry cobden paul nichols uh, this will be the four times yeah just wins which on this one day not uh best horse in the field fair enough price and yeah get your four timer up hopefully and yeah just go click Hey, look, so anyone, anyone who's not sure exactly what I'm talking about there, three under through five, Lime Avenue, Reboard, and Napa's Hill. I think it's around 40 to one uh, if you if you, if you you want to take out maybe three under through five because the only one that's not really sure. It's still an eight to one treble. You can just go. You can go and pick that up afterwards and enjoy your afternoon watching Wincanton. I've said this before and it's gone wrong, so people know what I mean. But uh, I'm just being fair. Uh, Lime Avenue, the four-time of Paul Nichols goes steaming in. Darren Hughes. I didn't have a strong view on this, so I'm happy to follow the pair of you lads in. Um, I'm, I'd like you to explain what the uh, the angle is into into Lime Avenue. I, I'd, I'd a quick look at the race, and you know, obviously, lightly raced uh, uh, an improver, no doubt. But uh, what makes you think she's so well thrown in off 118? Uh, trained by Paul Nichols, ridden by Harry Cobden. It's going to be part of a four timer, wind up, tongue tie, and uh, course and distance winner. That'll do me. No need to go any further. And it's two to one. It's not even all done. Uh, Darren, mm. sometimes it's a simple game. Demo. <laughs> uh, yeah, mock of a race. I'm happy to follow you in. Yeah. <laughs> After my in-depth case made for Lime Avenue there, I don't blame you, Demo. I think it's pretty straightforward. Um, is there anything else across the cards that caught people's eyes? There are a couple of nice races on the entry card uh, before we got stuck into the races that we looked at there. I just see Master Chewy, who I know Darren Hughes is a big fan of, um, is um, is possibly going to go there for another chase victory as well, supported on its first run. And Iker Allen is in the Potemps. A few interesting races there, Darren. Are you a Master Chewy fan this season? Yeah, big time. I'm glad he's uh, finally starting to put one foot in front of another. Uh, it was a frustrating he's... beast, wasn't he? Oh, jeez, he got my nerves. Something shocking. Um, but, you know, he was high, highly tried. I think they were maybe just kind of chasing their tail with him to an extent um, last year when they kind of knew what they had. Left a couple of races behind him, uh, a couple of falls, I think, along the way as well. There was one in Ascot particularly that uh, that hurt the old uh, back pocket. But, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, what he could do. I don't know whether he'll ever be a tip-topper. Does Nigel Twist and Davies train tip-toppers anymore? Probably not. Uh, but I'm sure he'll more than pay his way uh, in the coming year or two. He'd want to, though. He had a big price tag, didn't he? Was he not 300000 Yeah, I was going to say, he certainly thinks he does train a few big tip-toppers. Yeah. And this would have been on his list. Well, I tell you, he's convinced somebody with a, a large checkbook that he can still do it. So, I mean, good for him. I wish him well. Uh, they, but, all, uh, they, all, they all need ammunition, Darren. You know, sometimes it's like they're hard to buy. Very true. Very true. But, uh, yeah, interested to see how, how he gets on this year. As I said, I think, you know, ultimately he'll fall a little bit short of uh, the Willie Battalion. But um, let's see. Fair. Um, okay. Damo, did you have anything else from the weekend that piqued your interest? There's plenty of racing on. Uh, yeah, one, Justine, um, Foxy Girl runs in the 145 at Down Royal on Saturday, uh, runs there off a mark of 123. I think this this mare is absolutely thrown in. Um, she she went into, she won really well at Limerick over Christmas last year and then went into the, uh, put away like Henry always does, he targets at the race, was really well back for, 
for the mayor's novices. That race last season, you wear it well, just wore them all down for, uh, from the front. Magical Zoe agonizingly came from midfield, but this horse came from another parish, was held up at the back, and nothing nothing got into it. So her mark is very low because of that. So a mark of 123 running a handicap hurdle uh, for Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromet here. I think Foxy Girl is absolutely thrown in. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her. Too. Hot little race at the 145 at Danborough. Party Central, uh, Magic Tricks is in there for Gordon Elliott. Uh, the Model Kingdom's in there for Noel Mead. Jack Kennedy booked up and Rachel is on Foxy Girl. Um, we fancied one of theirs. They were dropping back in a handicap company the other week. Got beat, was it? Was it the Gabby's Cross? Gabby's Cross uh, finished second. I was actually beaten by the Paul oh, Gilligan horse yeah. uh, that, that 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 actually should have probably won the uh, the Martin Pipe, which just continues to become that Martin Pipe from last season. But he won. Um, that Martin Pipe from last season is absolutely ridiculous already. Oroko's come out. Um, the uh, imagine one during the week. Um, it's a serious, serious race. So yeah, that uh, the Gabby's Cross ran a huge race that day. So it's um, so Foxy Girl can just go one better than that, Dino. Certainly could. We'll be certainly, yeah, certainly could. Hood on first time as well. Uh, looking obviously to uh, get back on track after the Cheltenham run at the festival. Gary, did you have anything else for the weekend that was of uh, piquing your interest? Uh, just one for tomorrow in Down Royal, uh, 312. Uh, found a 50. I think there's a big season in this one. Um, looking at the race, Colonel Mustard's thrown in there as well. So hopefully he'll make a price. Just really like this horse. Uh, came from the point field. Um, was decent enough over hurdles, but I think jumping is his game. I think perfect starting point. I, he's one for the four miler for me later on in the season, but I'm look, really looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Another one's probably later on and next going into next week. A buddy of mine actually bred Dysart Enos. Um, so it's yapping to him there during the week and the honours on to him saying she's in serious order and skewed very well over hurdles. So um, she's already to the head of the market in most of the mayor's chases uh, on mayor's hurdles. So uh, looking forward to seeing how she gets on. I think she's in Pongedon on Tuesday. Lovely. Good to see that one back. And found the 50 flagged up there for the 312 at Down Royal tomorrow. Obviously up against that Colonel Mustard, of course, Jamie Benson, part owner of that, uh, big friend of the show. So there's some good informative stuff. Um, unless anyone's got anything else they want to throw into the mix for the weekend's racing, it's time to find the naps. So whilst you gather yourselves, um, I'm going to weigh in with the Paul Nichols uh, trebles and four-timer at Wink Cantons, very straightforward. And I think three under through five is the best value of those. I think they'll be super disappointed if it doesn't hold on and... Uh, and knock Froden off the, uh, the the swooning festival that otherwise will take part. And if the big breakaway wins, I'll still be celebrating Dermot on. <laughs> yeah, you're in a lovely spot there at that race, aren't you? And the, um, my nap of the weekend, Dean, would be in the Grand Sefton, uh, Born by the Sea. Lovely, yeah. John Gilligan. Um, okay, Darren Hughes, your best bet of uh, the weekend. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in, uh, I'm in direct opposition uh, with Fera Bamboo. Um, but a race that we didn't touch on, um, that was that that is on ITV this again in that three twenty that Jeremy was given out about, um, as a as, as an alternative given he's put one up in the race. There's absolutely no way that Miller's Bank should be the outsider at three in that race. Absolutely no way. Like West West Balboa is far and away the most likely winner, um, but brewing up a storm is eleven to eight second five. Like I don't think Miller's Bank should be nine to two, 
under any circumstances. I, I to be honest, if he was half the price, I, I, I consider him a bet. So um, you can do it that whatever you like. Um, Ferrer Bamboo is probably my nap, but I do think Miller's Bank is a wild price at night too. The old adage of the outsider of three, that 320 at Aintree should all three turn up, of course, Brunup a Storm, West Balboa and uh, Miller's Bank. I've got a lot of time for Alex Hales and Keelan Woods. I do like it. I do like their horses. They don't get that many winners, but when they get it right, they get it right. And uh, yeah, good stable that. Um, Gary, your nap of the weekend, please. We've got to go with three under, through five, uh, badge of beer, stop the swoon fest. That, that's the one. Yep. Yeah, double charge for that. I'm I'm definitely with you. I think it's the most sensible punt of the weekend. And I'm not really. I'm more of a romantic uh, follow horse of a cliff type, but I've come down that way and gone against the old breakaway. Uh, look, it's been a real pleasure to have everyone on uh, the podcast this week. Darren Hughes, Gary Connolly, welcome back. We'll see you again during the season. Uh, Dermot Nolan, of course, is here as normal. Uh, this has been brought to you with our friends at gambling.com. You can see the logo above Gary Connolly's head, of course, every time he spoke today, which was superb placement by him. And, uh, and we'll We'll be back next week. Uh, do uh, do play sensibly this weekend and enjoy all the racing. Relentless, remorseless, and pounded cause and start into submission.